and death. You know, let's just look over into our Bibles, into 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And most of our time this morning is going to be sent, spent watching a little video. But let's just look over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. You know, God states here, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. In other words, I'm going to present the deepest truth to mankind, but to see it, they're going to have to open up their hearts. Their minds won't be able to grasp this all by themselves. It's going to be their hearts that testify that the cross really makes sense. And so if we try to understand the cross just simply with our minds, we're, going to, we're not going to get it. But if we ask in our hearts, what is God trying to say to me through the cross? What is this message of God? We will see His wisdom. And we will understand His message. God fulfilled His promise about the Messiah, that the Messiah would work many miracles. And as we read through the Gospels, who doesn't read through the Gospel and wish they could have been there? Wouldn't it have been amazing to witness those physical miracles that Jesus performed? Now many of us have seen miracles. We've seen people freed from addiction. We've seen people trapped in sin. We've seen marriages on the rocks that God has actually healed and worked with in amazing ways. And occasionally, in answer to our prayers too, we have seen people healed that the doctor said wouldn't be healed. We've, we've seen things. We've seen God move. But God spoke something in the cross that even made the Jews who'd seen all those miracles wonder, can that really be true? The message of the cross challenged them to really believe that in fact Jesus was who he claimed to be. And even though if you looked at the teaching of Jesus, it's marvelous with his wisdom. The little stories he would tell, the insights he had into human nature. How many of us have felt in reading the Bible that whoever wrote that knew exactly what was going on in our hearts? Have you felt that? It's like, who wrote this? Of course, the Bible claims that God did through men. God knows us. But the cross again for the Gentiles, what is the message? What is God trying to tell us? See, all we know is this, that there is a power of God in the cross that just makes the the wise silent. 
And it, it, it gets into the hearts of those that are seeking truth and really is the answer to all of our questions. You know, how did the story of Jesus sound to the Jews? Well, they believed in their history in the Creator God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the claim of Jesus was He was, in fact, part of that God. It was hard for them. God in the flesh? Really? Our amazing Creator God in the flesh? And then think about the story of Jesus to the Gentiles. A Jewish criminal executed by the Roman governor. And he's the Son of God? That's how the Son of God makes himself known? See, to the world, this message is foolishness. But if we look deeper into the cross, we will see the wisdom of God. We will see the strength of God. We'll see the power of God. Let's watch this little video together. Touch her, Lord. She's unclean.
seen my son. He's all lived for. Have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? He's been missing from the caravan for three days. Have you seen my son? Please, have you seen my son? Excuse me. Have you seen my son? of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Now what did you come to see? This baptism is for the repentance of sins. Are you here to repent? John. Look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. <laughs> 
is your son. Here is your mother. John, I'm telling you, I will be his greatest. I'm older and I'm stronger. But I am greater because my mind is younger and I think faster. Right. He's chill, both of you. I will be his greatest. I pray harder and longer than you and anyone else in this world. Yes, I told you. Days, days. St. John. Lord. Lord, excuse me. You tell us. Which among us will be your greatest? Yes, Lord, please tell him so he can take his rightful place behind me. James, John, he who is the least among you, he is the greatest. Yes, Lord. James, you are much greater than I am. John! <laughs> I am among you as one who serves. I tell you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. Showing that our Lord. John, ask him what he means. What is it? The man I give the bread to after I tip it. Lord, Lord, Lord. I What you're about to do, do quickly. What are you doing? Lord, please. I would die first before I let anything happen to Jesus. I'm in Peter. Yes, Lord. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Me, Lord. Father, my soul is overwhelmed, and I feel so alone. Don't make me do this. Please don't make me drink this cup. But Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. Peter, it's time. Judas. Greetings, Rabbi. Judas, what have you done? No, friend, do what you came for. Jesus of Nazareth.
You are the same Jesus who used to teach us in the temples as a little boy. Tell us, are you the Christ, the Son of God? It is as you say. Send him to Pilate, he has spoken blasphemy. Yes, crucify. You are one of his disciples, aren't you? Just like I told the others, I don't know the man! Your own people want you dead. Why? What crime has he committed? Do you realize that I have the power to either free you or to crucify you? You would have no power over me if it weren't given to you by God. I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. <laughs> well, if you really are the king of the Jews, 
Then why don't you just save yourself? Save yourself? And, and us? Aren't you the Christ? <laughs> don't you fear God? You'll be dead soon. You and I are getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That's a long way from here. Forsaken me. He's calling Elijah. Well, Peter, let's see if Elijah comes to save you. It is finished. Came to take away the sins of the world.
found a shroud. He said this would happen. Where's Mary? Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my lord, and I don't know where he is. Woman, why are you crying? Please, sir, tell me where you put him. Mary. Let's open up our Bibles to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, if there is two days of history I'm glad I missed, it's the two days between the death of Jesus and his resurrection. Because what an amazing struggle and pain that must have been for those that loved him to be living in doubt of what he had promised was going to happen. And really, I'm so grateful that when we talk about the cross, we, all, we know that there's a happy ending to this story. Uh, we know that something amazing is taking place. And so when we present the message of the cross, isn't it awesome that it doesn't end at the cross? But there's instead the amazing message of Jesus raised from the dead. If we look in 1 Peter chapter 1, start reading in verse 18, it says... For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. And before God even made this world... He'd understood that the point of the creation was to give sort of the peak of his creation, humankind, free will. And even on the cross, we see free will. You see Jesus wrestling with his free will? He became a man just like us. And his final prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane was, Not not my will, but yours be done. And he said, If it's at all possible, take this away from me. Now, if you knew the cross was coming, would you pray the same thing? Who wants to go through suffering? Who wants to go through difficulty? 
But Jesus was in that way completely experiencing our humanity and begging God to not let this happen unless in fact there was no other way. And see, that's what we really see. We see that God had a plan from the beginning of time. This plan was to send His Son to die. Why? Why this? God chose the cross. Now one thing about a cross, no one ever died on a cross accidentally. It wasn't accidental to be on a cross. The other thing, the cross was meant as an, uh, uh, an object of execution. It was meant to kill people, but it was meant to take its time. In other words, it was torture to death. Why did God choose the cross? You know, God is amazingly loving. Like beyond our understanding, our comprehension, His mercy and His love. But God is also just. And God's sense of right and wrong is absolute. And so God, before He made us, knew that we would make the wrong choice. He knew that in giving us free will, that He would in the end have to offer us forgiveness. And so God chose the cross so we could understand something about Him. Have you ever forgiven someone and felt like they didn't understand how much it cost you to forgive them? Let's be honest, I see a few smiles out there. You know, and I know sometimes we've asked for forgiveness ourselves and not really been too sincere. We just want the relationship to get healed. But are we really that sorry about what we've done? But God chose the cross because He wanted us to see how much forgiveness costs. When you forgive someone, is justice done? When someone is forgiven, do they receive the punishment they deserve? No, when you forgive someone, you're basically sacrificing your right for justice. And so when God forgives us, the Almighty God, how can He demonstrate to us what that costs Him? He came in the flesh, he never sinned, he was absolutely righteous, he was falsely accused, he was, he was just despised by people around him, he told the truth, he was told that he was a liar, and then he died on the cross as a criminal of the state, and he'd never done anything wrong. And God is trying to show us he is innocent of our free will in the decision to sin. He's innocent of our decision. But He's the kind of God who doesn't leave us in that situation of separation, but instead He offers us forgiveness. But for a righteous God in His heart to extend mercy to us and deny justice to Himself by showing us mercy, it looks like a cross. That's what the cross means. God's denial of justice. And so on the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they did. God looks at us. You know, when we began our career as sinners, we didn't know what we were getting into. We didn't truly understand the cost that God would have to pay. But we did know we were doing wrong. We did know we were crossing a line. 
And we did know that once we did wrong, there was nothing we could do about it. It would become part of who we are. See, forgiveness is sacrifice. And sometimes we look at this and we think, well, it's the sacrifice of Jesus that earns our forgiveness. But actually, they're so intertwined. It's the forgiveness of God that caused that sacrifice to be given. God offers us forgiveness in Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes, and there's a, there's a way of looking at this, we can kind of see that Jesus died in our stead. He died so we could live, and we understand that. But it isn't just that simple. Because none of us were headed towards the cross. Spiritually before God, we're already dead once we've sinned. You don't need to kill a dead person. Dead is dead. But see, our sin separates us from God. And our shame, how do we come to God if we're bearing that shame? But we must believe that God forgives us. And that's the message in Jesus Christ. That He offers us forgiveness. Adam and Eve sinned back in the Garden of Eden. And then they hid themselves from God. God didn't kill them. They hid themselves. Their sin separated them from God. God didn't punish them by hiding them. They hid themselves. We kill ourselves through sin. Death is a consequence of sin, not a punishment of God. Death is a consequence, separation from God. Let's just read one final scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, if we call Friday Good Friday, though you saw what happened on that Friday, I'd like to sort of just rename Sunday Even Better Sunday. You know, if that's Good Friday, let's, let's think about today as Even Better Sunday. Because I'm so grateful the story didn't end where there, there was a pause, you know, right when Jesus died. The screen went blank. And that pause lasted a few days for the disciples of Jesus. But the good news is that, that Jesus is risen from the dead. Let's look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 16. It says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. You know, Paul would have known the story of Jesus, and he would have known that Christ was dead on the cross. That's how the story seemed to end. So Christ at one point seemed dead. But aren't you glad about the ending we have? Christ is alive. And so we don't see Christ anymore as one dead. We see Him as one alive. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us this, the message of reconciliation. You know, and here is this word reconciliation, the making of peace between two parties. Through Jesus Christ, God is offering us peace. And he says here in verse 20, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. 
As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. The footnote says a sin offering. In Old Testament Hebrew, the word for the sin offering was just the word sin. Because the offering took that sin away. It bore the sin. So it became, in a sense, sin itself. Jesus became a sin offering for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For He says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You know, what an amazing message. We have a message of reconciliation from God, that God is wanting to forgive the sins of the whole world. But that offer of forgiveness, offered unconditionally, you don't have to do anything to get the offer. It's for everyone. Must be received in faith and in full acknowledgement that the sacrifice was for us. In the Old Testament times, when they made a sacrifice, the person offering it put their head on the animal and they felt the blood drain out and the life go out as it was offered. Jesus on the cross is God's sacrifice for us and we must put our hand on Him and say, this happened because of my sin. Now, this has been made easier by knowing the end of the story, right? If He hadn't arisen from the dead and there wasn't an offer of forgiveness, would we go around saying, I'm guilty of the sacrifice of Jesus? But if we accept it as the sacrifice for our sins, we are completely forgiven by God. He's offered us reconciliation, but reconciliation means the two parties agree. So we must agree that this sacrifice was for us. And there was no other way. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, we've got a message to share. But the message has a tough part. Because if someone doesn't accept the responsibility for the sacrifice, they cannot receive the benefit. And so as Christians, we live each day grateful for the cross. You know, it's nice that the sort of the Christian world celebrates the, uh, the resurrection every year in this uh, Passover time of the year. But actually, every Sunday as we break the bread, every Sunday as we drink the cup, we remember the death of Jesus. And we celebrate that it didn't end on the cross. But now he's seated at the right hand of God and invites us to him. You know, I can understand why the cross was foolishness to the Gentiles. It's a crazy idea, isn't it? A few few weeks ago, I was out out in front of the uh, Birmingham Metropolitan College with with, uh, Jonathan Bryden, and we were sharing our faith. And... uh, there's a, a lot of Muslims going to that college. And so, you know, I was invi- we were inviting them to our Bible discussion and talking a little bit about Jesus. And this one guy just stopped and he goes, Don't you realize that's the craziest thing anyone could ever say? God becoming a man? That was his words. And all I could think of was, yes, 
It doesn't really fit human intelligence. And then he went on to say, this almighty God, you really think he would come down here and do this? And actually, in my own imagination, I don't think I could have ever thought of anything so unbelievable. But sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. And we have a God who didn't just print some money or create some gold or do something to forgive our debt. We have a God who cut off his own right hand and offered that for our forgiveness. I tell you, that's a God worth believing in. That's a God who actually loves us and was willing even to sacrifice himself for us. The cross is an amazing image. But you know, I think uh, if we could get another image popular, wouldn't it be nice just to see the tomb with the stone rolled away? away? That, That one brings a little more joy to my heart. But because I know that sacrifice was for me, The cross also encourages me because it demonstrates the love of God. You know, if you're visiting with us, I really encourage you just to sit down with somebody from the congregation and ask some questions that are maybe on your heart about what the cross has to do with you and what the sacrifice of Jesus means to our lives. And I just encourage all the disciples of Jesus here, think about it this week, how amazing it is that we can see the cross, but then see the risen Lord and know that He's gone to heaven ahead of us and has prepared a place for us. Let's bow our heads in prayer as the worship team comes up. Our Father and mighty God, we just thank You for just the opportunity today to think about the cross Thank you for each person that led in some way in the service today, Father, for their words, their heart. Thank you for each person here, and I pray that our worship together is acceptable to you. And Father, we thank you for Jesus, who loves us more than we can ever fully understand, and for your love in sending him. Father, thank you for his his example of obedience to you. Father, thank you for his honesty and actually describing how difficult it was to do what you asked him to do. Help us to truly follow him. Be honest with ourselves about those things that are difficult. But then, Father, submit ourselves to your will and see the resurrection power in our lives of living a new life and not simply the life we would choose. Father, thank you so much for the forgiveness we have in Jesus. Help us to believe it with all of our hearts that we are absolutely forgiven before you through his sacrifice and come to you washed white as snow, come to you as innocent children, come to you, Father, as those that you dearly love. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.